Yeah, we have some important stuff to talk about today and we're not gonna mince words. The tail end of this video is probably gonna be upsetting to a few viewers. So just make sure that you're either properly prepared for that discussion or feel free to click away if it's triggering to you in any way. But we're going to start the show that, uh, we're gonna do the show that I've been working on this weekend before we get into the heavier topic. And a lot of it has been said about Joe Biden's mental decline. And there are plenty of legitimate concerns as to whether someone his age is fully capable of running this country especially with the problems that we're currently facing both at home and abroad. Capable? Maybe. Fully capable? Mm. We vehemently oppose many of his stances when it comes to uh, various topics, but specifically immigration and the ongoing genocide in Palestine. And we are in no way letting him off the hook for policies that are in direct opposition of our beliefs. But as far as mainstream audiences' viewpoints on both unfortunate choices for presidential candidates go, Everyone does seem very hyper-focused specifically on Biden's age and what appears to be his mental decline. And we agree. But what we've seen out of Donald Trump in just the past two weeks is equally, if not more, alarming if you're just basing it on uh, someone who doesn't seem all there. But you have the added bonus of Trump being a generally evil dude on top of it. Um, Biden is a groggy old 81. Trump is a fresh young 79. Yeah. So clearly a huge. Age I difference. don't see what the difference is. Yeah. So yeah, we're not even talking about uh, Trump's well-known policy positions or his criminality or his intentions for what another Trump presidency would look like and how it would permanently alter the trajectory of this country in an extremely negative and potentially irreversible way. We obviously feel very strongly about all of that, but today we're going to focus on the fact that Joe Biden isn't the only ridiculously old candidate who has displayed cognitive issues. Because listening to Donald Trump speak in person at any recent event is all the proof that you really need that he's totally mentally unfit for the role, aside from the fact that he's facing dozens of felony charges and a never-ending stream of court dates. Yeah, just throw that on the pile as well. Not ideal. So, yeah, for the first part of today's video, we spent some time gathering up some clips. We're going to wheel in the, the TV. It's with the, raining outside. With, yeah. It's an extremely depressing couple of days. Yeah. No, no recess, kids, but we're going to watch... Yeah. Some clips yeah. on the TV, because yeah, it really feels like few people are questioning his mental state, despite the clear evidence that he is providing for it every day. Yeah, He's every out there being like, look at this brain. It doesn't work so good. I'm the best rambler. During a Fox News town hall with Laura Ingram last week, Trump invented a new category of crime, Woo! claimed that his first action on the border as president would be to drill baby drill, mm. claims that he's being treated like recently killed Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny by the courts, admits that he didn't hand over the classified documents, and that he's going to bring powerful crime to D.C., and so on and so forth. Here's clips from that town hall. It's a new category. I don't know if you've heard this, but I came up with this one, migrant crime. There's crime, there's violent crime, there's migrant crime. We have a new category of crime. It's called migrant crime. And it's going to be worse than any other form of crime. What's the first thing you will do if you become president again on the border? I know well, that's going to be your first there's act. There's two things I'm going to do. Number one is drill, baby, drill. Now, in this New York civil fraud case, this Judge Arthur Engeron ruled against you. Uh, uh, it's a lot it of, a lot a of dough. It is a form of... Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. Uh, the guy's a nut job. And they requested him. You could have just handed him over. Probably I was saved yourself a lot of trouble. First of all, I didn't have to hand him over. But second of all, I would have done that 
we were talking, and then all of a sudden they raided Mar-a-Lago. Do you remember? They said, could you put an extra lock on the door? We showed them where they were. We showed them. These people, everybody in this room is in great danger right now. We have a nuclear weapon that if you hit New York, uh, South Carolina is going to be gone, too. Uh, no, we're going to take over Washington, D.C. We're going to federalize. We're going to have very powerful crime, and you're going to be proud of it again. And then, throughout the week at various speaking engagements, including at an appearance at CPAC, Trump really started to show signs of fading. Alongside his typically insane chatter, he rambled on about God in order to please his evangelical supporters, of course, claimed there was no Russian collusion because of Hunter Biden's laptop, rambled on about World War III while advertisements for horse deworming paste were shown on screen, repeated statements about a rigged election which forced Fox News to cut away and issue a disclaimer so that they don't get sued again, and then made a few rambling statements that are almost entirely incoherent. Uh, here are those clips from his appearances in South Carolina. I've been indicted more than some of the greatest criminals in the world for nothing. In the end, we do not answer to bureaucrats in Washington. We answer to God in heaven. We do. We answer to God in heaven. And I make you a simple promise. In my first term, I fought for Christians harder than any president has ever done before. You know that. You know, if you think about it, you have men, you have women, and you have religion. If you look at it, you have more than the men, you have more than the women. And then they had the Mueller report, and it came in, no collusion. But I could have told them that on day one. And they would have known that on day one. They should have known it because they had the laptop from hell, so they should have known it. Let's call these brave Americans what they really are, persecuted Christians. They're being persecuted. And let's call their imprisoned and imprisonment. They are being imprisoned by Joe Biden and his people. I will be your peacemaker in more ways than what you think. I will be your peacemaker and I will be the only president that will be able to say this, say this and say it with great conviction. I will prevent World War III. We're very close to World War III. The stories of the Holy Bible and the voices of famed evangelical people and evangelists. And I say the only way it can end where they win is a rigged election. Because what they did in 2020 is disgraceful. Continue monitoring the president's remarks, and I mean no offense to him, or some of you might want to continue hearing, but I did have to say that even though the former president is entitled to his opinions, and he went on to talk about the 2020 election and how that was rigged, uh, this has been adjudicated many, many times, dozens of times. It's been investigated uh, by everyone and his uncle, no fewer than 44 investigations launched, some of them by judges that were uh, picked by Donald Trump himself that found no evidence of that in the seven battleground states where most of them were focused. And we should also mention that uh, Nikki Haley did in fact lose the South Carolina primary. She, uh, yeah. it wasn't a blowout like everyone seems to be positioning it, but it was significant in the, in the grand scheme of things because Super Tuesday is coming I'm up. I'm curious like what she, believes she's doing. She kind of has to stay in uh, in case Trump uh, actually does get into some trouble, I mean, I, guess. I think that's really what it is. It's yeah. just like, if and when he becomes officially, like, unelectable, um, the fact that she is still in the race makes her it's, the it's next, a lot easier, next yeah. batter up as opposed to the other guys who already dropped out. Yes, and, you know, I guess to her credit, even though I don't like her at all, uh, the idea of Trump voting completely unopposed is also scary. 
But things got even crazier when Trump made an appearance at the Black Conservative Federation Gala, where he seemed to think that it was, it was okay to start making statements that seemed to be pretty fucking racist. Specifically when he claimed that being indicted for his many crimes makes black people like him even more. And this line in particular got an immediate response from the president of the NAACP, who said, the NAACP is outraged, but not surprised by yet another racist remark from the former president. And he also claimed that he spent his life helping black people by building housing, despite getting sued for housing discrimination decades ago during the peak of his real estate career. Yeah. There's also, there's more cringeworthy moments as well. So here's some clips from that one. And then I got indicted a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And a lot of people said that that's why the black people like me because they have been hurt so badly and discriminated against. And they actually viewed me as I'm being discriminated against. It's, it's been pretty amazing. The black people are so much on my side now because they see what's happening to me happens to them. Does that make sense? I've heard that. When I did the mugshot in Atlanta, you know that mugshot is number one. Elvis Presley is Elvis Presley's number two, and Frank Sinatra's. They, they had Frank Sinatra for fighting, and they had Elvis for, I don't know, something in a gas station. He tried to hold up a gas station. I don't know. Something. Elvis, my, the mugshot, we've all seen the mugshot. And you know who embraced it more than anybody else? The black population. It's incredible. You see black people walking around with my mugshot. You know, they do shirts, and they sell them for... $19 a piece. Unlike racist Joe Biden, I've spent my entire life working hand in hand with black Americans to create jobs, build buildings, invest in our communities, and expand opportunity and freedom for citizens of every race, religion, color, and creed. I'm being indicted for you, the black population. And then there was just CPAC, where at the very least, he got one of the best introductions of all time, thanks to none other than Marjorie Titan Green, who, despite claiming to be a puritanical Christian, is consistently horny on a level few thought possible. You can hear the excitement here in the crowd. They're cheering and they're excited to see President come. President come. President come. At CPAC, Trump referred to himself as a political dissident, referred to people who participated in the insurrection as hostages, essentially admits that his wife fucking hates him, and in one particularly bizarre clip from his speech, seemed to endorse his opponent, Joe Biden, for president. He admitted. Among other weird rambling nonsense, including a part of the speech where he literally claims that he's the best at rambling. No <laughs> argument here. Yeah. I stand before you today, not only as your past and hopefully future president, but as a proud political dissident. I am a dissident. Got along with him well. Although he did announce the other day that he'd much rather see Biden as president. And I agree with him. I agree. You heard the J6 hostages, didn't you? You heard that. And uh, I will tell you, there's never been in the history of our country a group of people treated the way they've been treated. There's never been anything like it. But I call up our first lady, I say, so baby, how good was that? She goes, you were okay. They'll say, he rambled. Nobody can ramble like this. Nobody. If they did, they'd be, they, they wouldn't even try. You know what? They go step by step, and they would never get off that sucker. They go step by step. And it's true. In Beverly Hills, you pay a fortune in taxes. They say you can only brush your teeth once a day. 
And there's a few ones that we'll show in a second, but this has literally just been the last 10 days or so. And it's getting far more serious now that Super Tuesday is approaching because he is almost certainly a shoe-in for the Republican candidacy after Nikki Haley lost in her own home state of South Carolina this past weekend. And, and sure, the fact that she was able to get around 40% of the vote is significant, but it's her home state. And despite many Republican voters claiming that they won't vote for Trump if that is the Republican option, we, we all know that they will do that. We are begging everyone to not count on that as any kind of guarantee because Republicans will absolutely vote for him regardless of their personal convictions. So here's a few more clips following his win in South Carolina, including one where he says he'd like to destroy the country even quicker. They're destroying our country and we're gonna, I just wish we could do it quicker. And also one where he forgets two of his children's names. Melania, Barron, Don Jr. and Kimberly. Ivanka and Jared, Tiffany and Michael, they're so, so supportive. Give that man a nuclear arsenal. Yeah. So yeah, it sucks that we have the choices that we have. Yeah. Not sure if that's gonna change considering there is only eight months or so until election day. Joe Biden is a doddering old fool as well. But, you know, the coverage of both candidates' ages has been incredibly skewed when you consider that Trump gets on the mic and brainlessly rambles on a daily basis with barely a mention or thought being put towards the fact that he's also way too old to properly do the job. Not that a young Trump would be all that better. That would be worse, actually. Because in addition to being old and senile, Trump is also a criminal piece of shit who doesn't care about anyone but himself, let alone the country. He made that very clear when he was president last time, and also every action that he's done throughout his entire life. Yeah, it is, it is weird that there's still any debate over that. No. Meanwhile, though, yes, it is fucking jarring to see Joe Robinette Biden answer questions about a potential ceasefire in Palestine while licking an ice cream cone like his social hour down at the retirement center. It, whenever he answers questions about it, it's frustrating enough, but it's not nearly as frustrating as when the State Department has their like daily briefings and just every journalist in that room has at this point, like you can read it on their face. They're just tired of the fucking bullshit. Yeah, because they just keep saying that Israel has a... He's like, I don't know, I mean, look, we don't control Israel. They can do whatever the hell they want. We're sending them billions of dollars. (laughs) We're funding this. Come on, enough of this kayfabe. There couldn't be a worse time in history to have an actual fascist running against another elderly man who despite doing, uh, all things considered, great work on the economy when it's compared to nearly every other country on earth following the pandemic, but he's making horrifically bad policy decisions when it comes to very, very important stuff. Like we previously said, immigration stuff, the war on Gaza. On the topic of uh, CPAC though, moving on, we said that we would have more clips and look, there are plenty out there, but we've already shown, it's, it's been clip show already, though there is one that probably topped everything because former UK Prime Minister Liz Truss. Oh baby, did she talk about opening up new pork markets in China? Uh, Liz Truss, whose tenure in the role of prime minister was notably, it was over quicker than a head of lettuce could wilt. Historically short. She addressed the crowd at CPAC and essentially told them that Western civilization would fail if they don't take complete control and reverse things within the next 10 years. And we would love to show you the full unedited clip, but there is music attached to it. It's it's very awkward because she just kind of stands there and stares off into space while this music plays and doesn't know what to do, and it's bizarre. We'll, we have, we'll show a little bit of it here, but you know how things go with music on YouTube. If anything's gonna get struck, that'll be that. But this tweet sums it up perfectly. It says, everything about this video is perfect. 
the awkward anticlimactic ending, the cringe music, the completely bewildered look as she doesn't know where to go or whether to keep saying thank you, and then the camera zooming out to emptiness. It's interesting. I would assume most Tories, even if they are, you know, 90% on the same page uh, as U.S. Republicans, would see it as unseemly to be associated with an event like this. Not Liz Truss, It's like the classic, uh, the Andrew Neil Ben Shapiro Mm -hmm. argument was the perfect demonstration of like Tory versus Republican. It's like, no, they believe all sorts of just like evil shit, but they're just like, these Americans. What the fuck is, what's going on? What is going on over there? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess all those massive conference rooms at the Gaylord Resort never did fill up over the course of the long weekend. One group who was in attendance, though, were American Nazis, who definitely did not hide their associations, and even claimed that they were surprised that they hadn't been kicked out due to their beliefs and association with people like Nick Fuentes. Here's NBC with more on that element of CPAC. Nazis appeared to find a friendly reception at the Conservative Political Action Conference this year. Throughout the conference, racist extremists, some of whom had secured official CPAC badges, openly mingled with conference attendees and espoused anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. At the Young Republican Mixer Friday evening, a group of Nazis who openly identified as National Socialists mingled with mainstream conservative personalities, including some from Turning Point USA, and discussed race science and anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. One member of the group, Greg Conti, who attended the deadly 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, said that his group showed up to talk to the media. He said that the group was prepared to be ejected if CPAC organizers were tipped off, But that never happened. Another, Ryan Sanchez, who was previously part of the Nazi Rise Above movement, took photos and videos of himself at the conference with an official badge and touted associations with Fuentes. In a photo published on his ex-profile, Sanchez shook hands with Jared Taylor inside CPAC's secure conference area, writing, Jared Taylor is a hero of our people. Taylor founded American Renaissance, a organization that has published racist pro-eugenics writings. The Southern Poverty Law Center describes Taylor as crudely white supremacist. In another video, Sanchez can be seen in the lobby of the conference hotel giving a Nazi salute. And NBC posted the video of that Nazi salute after the official CPAC account claimed that they were lying about Nazis being at the event. Oh, well, you got us. Okay. Oops. Yes, there were Nazis at the event, but... uh... You know how hard it would be to police that here at CPAC? Anytime I hang out with Nazis, I make sure to shake my head so everyone knows that That I disapprove disapprove of uh, the people I'm hanging out with. They show me their their badges to get through the entrance, and I just shake my head, and I say, come on in. Mm -mm -mm. Get in there. Uh Get in. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of terrible people, Shia Raichik, the woman behind the libs of TikTok account, apparently thought she was going to be able to dunk on a seasoned journalist this past weekend when she met up with Taylor Lorenz of the Washington Post wearing a custom t-shirt with Taylor's face on it. Uh, Unfortunately for her though, Taylor's actually, she's actually really fucking good at her job and allowed Chaya to make a complete fool of herself by simply asking her directly and simply to please explain some of her controversial stances on hot button issues, which she just utterly failed to do. All Taylor had to do was basically say, hey, you know this thing that you support? Could you elaborate on that? Uh, I didn't say that. I never said that. I didn't say that either. I never said that. You can almost see the the loading bar inside Chaya's brain start glitching out the second that 
Taylor starts asking her to clarify things. At one point, she attempts to derail the interview by showing off some pornography that she just had queued up on her cell phone. By the way, you're the degenerate, not me. Also, here's a blowjob. Wow, great. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating uh, profile in uh, modern-day reactionary thought in that there's really not a lot of thought going on No, there's at not all. a lot of bouncing around up there. It's, it's just constant poster brain. Yeah, it's also interesting because, um, yeah, if she were to honestly lay out her ideology, I feel like that would be just extremely off-putting to... <laughs> Which is why even, she doesn't say it out even loud, Even average people who yeah. might not have, like, the best views on gender and trans people and stuff, if they heard her say directly how she feels about this topic, they'd be like, okay, well, that's Jesus, up, Jesus yeah. Christ, lady. Instead, she gets to hide behind a sort of a... I believe in truth. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. Um, not surprising, but also very strange that she would accept this interview and not yeah. assume that Taylor would do a good job. Also, aside from that shirt, what is that fit? I know. <laughs> Chai is wearing an absolutely bizarre jean I've dress. I've never seen anything. That is a, you know, there's jean skirts. Okay, this is a jean skirt that goes to the ankle. Uh, How do her legs move in that? Th that's, that was the thing. I was very confused by it. Uh, it bothered me Did for a long time. Did she slither over to this interview? It looks like she could only go like this. I saw one post that was like, I would pay a significant amount of money for a video of seeing her scurry away yeah. in that full-length How jean. do you get around in that thing? No idea. It looks nearly impossible to actually walk in. Fascinating. It is. Uh, my favorite description of it is uh, she showed up dressed like uh, the like enemy of the week for Topanga on like a circa 1999 episode of Boy Meets World. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the full interview is up on Taylor's YouTube account, and we highly recommend watching it in full. We will leave a link to it at the top of the description so you can check it out for yourself. But here is arguably one of the best clips from the interview, and it's the one that went super viral over the weekend, so here you go. You know, if you eradicate transgenderism, which I believe you suggested in a post today. No, I never suggested that. Oh, okay, you reposted a post that was advocating for that. What would happen to the people that have already medically, socially, completely transitioned and are leading happy lives? What would happen to them? I mean, what's your plan for, for that? If transgenderism doesn't exist, which it seems like you're, that's what you believe, what happens to all the people living happy lives as trans people? Well, it, first of all, the whole trans is, it's based on a lie. You can't change your, you can't change your gender. Okay, but. So they could, they could go live their, their, their life. I mean, I can't tell someone what to do in their in their house. Sounds like you do want to tell people what to do in their house. I never said that. So you're totally okay with people being trans, just not as long as they're in public. No, I never said that. They could. It's the whole thing is based off of a lie, and I think that um, the fa this lie cannot be mainstream in our in our society. It's just it's a lie. And what harm is it causing? Do you believe? Um, I like the truth. I like truth. Right, but I'm saying, what what's the what's the harm of people expressing their gender identity differently than you believe it to be? What what harm are they causing? Um, like I said, we are a a um, a nation of truth, and I I'm, I'm, I seek the truth. But that's. But I'm asking about the harm. What's the harm? You might believe it to be false, but what's the, the harm? The harm is that there's a lie that is very mainstream and is being embedded into every institution. 
I guess I'm wondering what the material harm is. Aside from it's maybe something that you disagree with, as in your version of the truth is different than their version of the truth, what is the material harm of them living their life as a woman or man or gender that you don't agree Not with? anything that's wrong is there a material harm necessarily. So there's no harm? I didn't say that. So can you name a single harm? Uh, the way that it's pushed, on, it's pushed on to kids, first of all. What's pushed on to kids? Uh, gender ideology, transgenderism. Uh -huh. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so uh, summing this up, here's two of our favorite reactions to the interview that explain why it is so satisfying to watch this train wreck. Starting with Ari Drennan of Media Matters, who wrote, The thing that makes the Chaya Rechik interview so horrifically compelling is that she has ruined people's lives for reasons she literally cannot articulate. We're conditioned to expect a villain monologue, but she's playing Twitter like a slot machine. And here's one from Kiefer at Denny Vegito of the Select Podstar podcast, who wrote, don't think Chaya Rechik video will change much because her audience is exclusively morons, but it is a perfect example of how the vast majority of bigots completely buckle under the weight of being asked a few variations of, what do you mean? <laughs> like I said, it's, it's, it's a lot of just, here's something that you have either promoted or said. Do you care to elaborate on that or explain your meaning behind that? Yeah, generally speaking, if you have uh, devoted your life and all of your time to something like this, you would think that the person would be happy to expound on it even yeah. further. Especially when but, agree, uh, <laughs> willingly agreeing to an on-camera interview. Yeah, this is my chance to and then, really lay it all out. Also, afterwards, tried to claim that, like, Taylor was being abusive by posting the interview when she knew that Shia was not going to be yeah, online. Yeah, it was Saturday. It was Shomer Shabbos. What the fuck? Yeah. To post this on my day you're off. Not, you're not allowed to talk to me on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. Not allowed to talk about me on Saturdays. It's, uh, it's, you have to go watch, just go watch the full interview. Subscribe to Taylor's channel. It's great. But moving on, we also have an update to what was going on with that AI Joe Biden robocall that was being deployed in New Hampshire last month where people were instructed by an old man's voice on the phone, a familiar voice. Yeah to save their vote for November by uh, none other than the president himself, wow, who proved that he was totally real by mentioning his favorite catchphrase, malarkey. <laughs> malarkey. Yeah. Oh, wow, that is Joe Biden. Yeah. Who else could, who else but Joe Biden? It's his bazinga. Yeah. While dialing up constituents in that state, yeah. he's, he's dropping malarkey. This is how you'll know that I'm real. I'm tired of all this malarkey. Save your vote. Also, I'm going to need $50,000 in a shoebox. I'm going to be coming by and picking that up. There's going to be a white van. Throw it in the back and don't look at anybody. So the person behind the AI Biden voice has been revealed, as well as the team who orchestrated it. And uh, it actually came from someone who appears to have been working on behalf of the Dean Phillips campaign, a rival Democrat. Yeah. There are a few of those, if you can believe it. And to be clear, before we get into the completely bizarre details of this, the Dean Phillips campaign, they claim to have been outraged by this news, that someone working for them was involved in this, that they're considering legal action against that guy who's behind it, uh, a political operative who's also worked on behalf of Kanye West named Steve Kramer. So I'm inclined to believe them because this is just a stupid thing this to fucking do. This is the dumbest do. thing. Yeah. <laughs> This, is, this does seem like the work of a rogue political operative. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, benefit of the doubt, I guess. But the fact that a campaign for a Democratic candidate was utilizing AI to mimic the voice of the president to dissuade people from voting in the primaries, that's somehow the least strange part of this story. Because the man who was hired to facilitate the AI voice is a sort of right-wing conspiracy-brained street magician from New Orleans who, quote, 
holds records in fork bending and straight jacket escapes. Oh, I'm listening. All yeah, right. Pretty cool. Uh, use an extra pair of handcuffs on that guy. Um, just because. Uh, his name is Paul Carpenter, and we will let NBC News take it from here. A Democratic consultant who worked for a rival presidential campaign paid a New Orleans magician to use artificial intelligence to impersonate President Joe Biden for a robocall that is now at the center of a multi-state law enforcement investigation, according to text messages, call logs, and Venmo transactions the creator shared with NBC News. Paul Carpenter says he was hired in January by Steve Kramer, who has worked on ballot access for Democratic presidential candidate Dean Phillips to use AI software to make the imitation of Biden's voice urging New Hampshire Democrats not to vote in the state's presidential primary. I created the audio used in the robocall. I did not distribute it, Carpenter said in an interview in New Orleans, where he is currently residing. I was in a situation where someone offered me some money to do something, and I did it. There was no malicious intent. I didn't know how it was going to be distributed. Okay, buddy. Uh, that's a... Uh, Interesting. The the I just didn't ask any questions is quite the defense. It's but just another one of my pff, illusions. <laughs> a simple trick that deceived the nation. Yes. Some are saying it's my greatest trick of all. It continues. Creating the fake audio took less than 20 minutes and cost only $1, he said. Jesus. For which he was paid $150, according to Venmo payments from Kramer and his father, Bruce Kramer, that he shared. It's so scary that it's this easy to do, Carpenter said. People aren't ready for it. Carpenter, who was born in Houston and calls himself a digital nomad artist of life, did not expect to end up in the middle of a national political scandal when he says he met Steve Kramer last year. The only thing missing from the political circus is a magician. And here I am, Poof. said Carpenter, who also hosts a podcast, has created mentalism instruction videos, and says he has performed in 24 countries. In the past few years, he said he's been building computer programs and experimenting with NFTs, content creation, and AI. He speaks on his belief in right-wing conspiracy theories such as the deep state and has some issues with the first moon landing. <laughs> Only the first one, though. It happened, but I don't know if it happened the way they said it did. Yeah. Uh, but also says he staged a performance art piece where he placed a porcelain toilet on former President Donald Trump's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and pretended to defecate on it. He has staged several such stunts meant to provoke, he says, such as one in which he wore only a fig leaf in Times Square in New York City as an expression of radical authenticity, and another in which he filmed himself portraying various American archetypes, including a white supremacist with a swastika on his forehead, which he says was about showing that we are all human, despite how much we may hate each other. I only did that as a goof. To bring awareness. Also, like, getting, like, nearly naked in Times Square, buddy, that's not a radical The act. Naked Cowboy's that's, been doing uh, that for 30 years. Yeah, it's literally, it's legal to be yeah. very naked. I do like the, the excuse for doing the swastika thing on his forehead. It sounds like the uh, PR response from one of those senators or congressmen that got caught doing blackface in high school. Yeah, I just wanted to show, you know, we're all, we all bleed the same red, yep. you know. Uh, continues, he and Steve Kramer were introduced through a mutual acquaintance for whom he had done some web design and social media management work, Carpenter said, and took interest in his experience with AI. Carpenter said that he believed Steve Kramer was working for the people whose voices he was being asked to imitate and that the voice projects were authorized by the campaigns. He had not heard of Phillips, a congressman from Minnesota, and said he was not aware of Steve Kramer's work for the candidate. And they go on to talk about the text between Kramer and Carpenter and the payments that were made and the fact that, as another bizarre cherry on top of all of this, Carpenter's legal representation right now is an attorney that he found on Reddit. That's always the best place. 
So find a lawyer. While the feds haven't named Carpenter or Kramer as direct targets of their investigations, they have indicated that the investigation remains active and ongoing when NBC reached out. So yeah, it's probably not going to turn out very well for either of these guys. Though, like I said, they should probably be careful when they handcuff the magician because he is, that's his whole thing. Yeah. Escaping use, from, from traps like that is his entire thing. Gotta use zip ties. Yeah. I, this guy, uh, this is like if you created a nemesis for me. This man is a magician, mm -hmm. conspiracy theorist, NFT and AI enthusiast, and prolific Redditor, I assume. Yeah. Probably uh, posts on r slash atheism going back like two decades. And he uh, made a fire engine appear magically yes. outside while Poof. you were talking. Um, yeah, I. all I need to know is this man's opinions on Elon Musk and whether or not he has uh, Twitter verification to complete the picture, but yeah. I can You can assume I that can he assume. probably does, yeah. yes. Um, we haven't been to the moon, but Elon Musk will take us there very soon. Any day now. Any day now. Uh, anyways, folks, it is, it's sort of a short episode, and that's because it definitely took us a while to gather our thoughts and digest exactly what took place in Washington, D.C. yesterday, because I've been on the internet a long time. It's, it's one of the most horrific and visceral things that we've seen in our lives, and, and we can't obviously go into too much detail here on YouTube. We're going to assume that you're at least somewhat aware of what took place, or have Maybe you've seen the video or the still images from it, but on Sunday, a senior airman enlisted in the United States Air Force, 25-year-old Aaron Bushnell, carried a camera and a bottle filled with flammable liquid to the front of the Israeli embassy. He set up the camera and ignited himself while recording the entire thing. He did this as an extreme act of protest against the genocide of the Palestinian people after saying that he would no longer be complicit in that genocide. He also stated that quote, compared to what people have been experiencing in Palestine at the hands of their colonizers, it's not extreme at all. Uh, he doused himself in the liquid, lit himself on fire while screaming free Palestine until he was physically unable to do so. It is horrifying to watch, even censored. Um, yeah. It, the, just the audio alone is going to... It's going to stick with me for a very long me. yeah. time. Yes. It's really hard to put into words how this made us feel. Um, Upset, angry, sad, frustrated, everything all at once, um, that this young person felt the need to take his own life in such a violent and public way. It should not be mocked or forgotten about. It needs to be directly addressed by every person in a position of power right now. Uh, in the hours that followed, and certainly in the coming days, people will try to brush this off as someone who had mental health issues or had reasons outside of the guilt of being complicit in a genocide, but um, instead everyone should just listen to the reasons that he gave for doing it, because it's quite literally the least anyone, especially anyone in power, could do. And I'm, I'm frankly, I'm surprised because uh, someone else did this like two months ago, but they didn't film it, and that shit was Swept away immediately. Swept away. We, have, we never got any information there's beyond that even, it happened. There's not even information as to whether the person survived or not. This yeah. was in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Uh, so that has been completely hidden. Nothing and, about their identity. Uh, so this, I mean, he filmed it, and that seems to have done the trick because the White House is uh, directly... The, the Biden staff. Okay. Well, it's, it's being talked about, although, interestingly, a lot of... Lot of press coverage of it is just like uh, a guy lit himself on fire. Nobody knows why. I wonder no why. Com no confirmation. And, uh, and obviously, lots of the headlines uh, completely fail to mention the very clear reasons 
that he gave for doing yeah. such a thing. A lot of them also fail to mention that he is uh, act was active duty U.S. military, yeah. which is, that has never happened before. This kind of thing, it does happen from time to time throughout the world, but uh, I don't believe it's ever been someone active duty U.S. military. Um, yeah, the act itself also highlighted a sickening image of the current state of America as well, because as he was consumed by flames, and while some on the scene helped or cried out for help, a cop or security guard or secret service for the embassy, someone of policing authority, had a gun pointed on him even after he'd collapsed on the ground. It is a very striking image, a very upsetting image, and as sad and horrific as it is to say this out loud, it's an image that kind of unfortunately captures the state of America sometimes. Yeah, um, I mean, I have, uh, you know, very muddled, mixed feelings about this. I wish he was still alive. He yeah. seems like his heart was really in the right place. Um, it's unfortunate that he the, thought that he had to do this. The fact that it's been co-opted into a mental health discussion is, uh, it's expected. Um, I would say that, um, you know, it's in a lot of ways, if you are 100% confronting the realities of the world, it's impossible to feel sane yeah. at all. Especially uh, when you're so, in a position that has as we will probably find out, at least some authority in what's going on. Yeah. Carrying um, on as normal in the face of everything is, I would say, not mentally healthy no. either. But yeah, uh, the whoever it was, the person of authority, the of policing authority, or however you want to, whatever label you want to put on it, uh, had their gun pointed on someone who was engulfed in flames and even going so far as to pivot around the people trying to help. Yeah, in like, order we to don't keep, need guns, we need fire extinguishers. Yeah, in order to keep Bushnell between his sights, all while someone screams, I don't need guns, I need fire extinguishers. It's a harrowing, insane video. And as you're probably also aware by now, Aaron Bushnell succumbed to his injuries a few hours later at the hospital. And his family made a statement and also allowed a censored version of the footage to be uploaded online. If you've seen it, we understand that you did so because it was important. And if you intentionally avoided it and will continue to avoid it, we understand that too because- I it, don't recommend it, it if is I'm being honest. It is incredibly traumatic, even for people like us who have seen the most graphic things that the internet can offer. It's a horrible, horrible situation all around. Horrible that he was driven to do this and horrible that the constant bombing and indiscriminate killing of innocent Palestinians, which includes thousands of children, continues to this day with no signs of stopping outside of hopes for a temporary ceasefire while our country continues to fund the IDF. Yeah, there's no winners here. No. But um, to mock this guy, as as so many were very swift to do, yeah. uh, or just you know simply claim, oh, he was crazy, or something like that. that, that makes it even worse. You're not helping and you're a dick and I don't like you. Mm -hmm. we, we hate to bring the mood down with episodes or at least parts of episodes like this. We wish we had something more upbeat and fun to talk about today. But yeah, we would be doing a disservice to all of you to not mention it and give this story the weight that it deserves. It's a very sad day for our country and the world. And it's even more depressing knowing that this extreme act of protest might not have a substantial effect on anything so no, knowing uh, our government they will try to make this go away as quickly as possible yeah i mean especially with the topic of israel i mean it it, it does 
has shades of uh, Rachel Corey, about 20, around 2000, 2001, got run over by a bulldozer mm-hmm. in Israel, and um, that didn't do fucking shit. Yeah. And it's, uh, but on the, on the other hand, it meant a lot to people in Palestine. And the reaction, you know, we've seen the fucking snarky reactions uh, in Western social media, but I've seen snippets of how they're reacting to it in the Middle East and in Palestine. And um, it's quite different. They're, uh, they're yeah. tremendously affected by it. Yeah. Um, rest in peace, Aaron. And our same thing at the end of every episode, you already know, uh, our videos are going to pop up if you need something lighter. We will be back uh, in a few days with some fun stuff to talk about on our tech show. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. We're here to give you a virtual hug, um, and we'll see you soon.